Hello, Bears! Let's play some football! Who's next? Bears Hour Live with Lauren Cox and the Draft Doc, Philatotion. Hold up. Osweiler play fake quickly sets up with a pocket with time. Osweiler tight spiral left side and it's intercepted. Wrestled away from DeAndre Hopkins. Tracy Porter swipes him inside the 25 yard line of the Bears. Bears football and a takeaway in Houston. Snap Hoyer from under center side steps to the pocket, taps the ball, going to the end zone. He's got Meredith up in the air, leaping catch, touchdown, touchdown Bears. And Cameron Meredith backing up as he leaped for the catch. And the Bears are an extra point away from tying the game. Somebody bring me back some money, please. You play to win the game. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Bears Hour Live. You're listening to Lauren Cox and Phil Atoshin, Draft Dr. Phil, previewing the Bears-Giants game this upcoming Sunday. Obviously, the Bears are sitting at 2-7 and seven going up against a, a Giants team that I believe is 6-3 and three off the top of my head. And they are uh, certainly not favored in this one, and there's not a lot necessarily for the Bears to be playing for, at least with a, with a postseason in mind. But that being said... These last games of the season now for the rest of the year provide an opportunity for this team to look at a lot of their younger players in extended situations. And, and Phil, when you're looking at the Bears against the New York Giants, what specifically are you going to be looking for out of the Bears? Is there, are, there pl- are there specific players or specific things in general? What, what, what are you looking for in this game? Well, how is Jay Cutler going to bounce back? Obviously, that's going to be the the lead topic going into the game on all the pregame shows, especially the focus ones on the Bears. How's he going to bounce back from, you know, his worst game in years? And how are the Bears going to respond when they had an opportunity to really get back into the division? Again, the season, there's seven games left, Lawrence. So that defensive front seven played really well. Will they continue to go after the quarterback like they did against Tampa and previously against Sam Bradford and the Vikings. What kind of defensive showing are they going to go, especially when the Giants' strength is in their receiving core and the Chicago Bears' weakness seems to be in their secondaries on defense. So you're going to wonder how this team is going to show itself coming up after a horrible loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, how's this offensive line going to show up with Kyle Long now out? Um, You got Mike Adams stepping in for Bobby Massey still in the uh, concussion protocol. So I would like to see uh, Eric Cush playing that right guard over Ted Larson, but a lot of things that I'd like to see tend to not happen with the Chicago Bears this year. Well, and you talk about those things that you'd like to see. Uh, obviously, I think every Bears fan wants to see young players with extended playing time in these games to figure out what the Bears have in them moving forward and how they fit in the future rotation. But like we talked about on the Bears Ballroom podcast yesterday, if you, if you haven't heard that, go out and listen to it. It's up on iTunes and 
and on, over on bearsbarroom.com, we talked about how this coaching staff might be in that sort of fighting for my job mode, especially you guys like Dowell Loggins and John Fox, where, you know, we all agree that Vic Fangio has done a pretty good job with very little he's been offered, but a guy like Dowell Loggins might still be trying to prove that, hey, I belong as an offensive coordinator in this league, so let me put out my veteran players, let me try and win the most games possible and look the best on offense rather than putting in younger players for the future because the coach might not have a future with this team. So he's he's kind of looking – he might be looking out for himself more than the future of the franchise. So you see a guy like Eric Cush versus Ted Larson at guard. I mean, Ted Larson's 29 and Eric Cush, I believe he's 27. So it's not that Cush is necessarily a young guy, but he is a lot less experienced and he does still have more of a potential and a ceiling that he can reach. So I definitely agree with you there. We should see Cush at right guard, but at the same time, Cush was inactive last week, and Ted Larson went in for Kyle Long at right guard and stunk it up pretty well. But the, the fact that they had Larson active and Cush inactive shows that it, it seems that they had Larson ahead of Cush on the depth chart and that it's hard to know if that's going to continue or if they will sort of admit defeat in that sense and put in their younger player, who we probably both think gives them a better chance to win. Don't you think, Phil? Say that one again, Lauren. You broke up. Uh, we, we both agree that Eric Cush and Ted Larson. Eric Cush gives the Bears a better is a better offensive lineman than Ted Larson. Even though the Bears might try and put Ted in there with the idea that he would give them a quote unquote better chance to win. Yeah, I'm, I look at this team, the Chicago Bears, and especially the coaching staff, and I, I often compared it today to a young Madden player playing against a older Madden player who who's played the game for years. It's the strategic personnel decisions that have been made here looks like a rookie. And when you look at Cush, and I'm trying to bring it to an audience's perspective, when you look at Cush and you watch the game tape against the Minnesota Vikings and kind of get disappointed in the fact that he wasn't active and then ultimately watching how Ted Larson's performance played itself. I mean, he directly hindered two sacks on the play. So it's kind of disappointing to see how Ted Larson's inability to be athletic enough, physical enough, when you look at a guy like Ted Larson, I mean, uh, Eric Cush, how athletic and physical he was, it's kind of disappointing to see it the other way around. And it's like that in so many positions on this team. I mean, we talked, it seems like we talk about Mitchell and Ryan and then the Bullard and Cornelius Washington combo every single week. And fortunately, the, well, I guess, I don't know, fortunately is not the right word. Not fortunately for Mitchell and Ryan. We don't wish an injury on anybody. But last week, we did get to see more of Jonathan Bullard and Cornelius Washington with Unrein out. And, you know, Bullard didn't quite make as many plays as maybe everyone was hoping. I, I didn't think he was bad by any stretch, but he wasn't lighting it up in extended playing time. And same with Cornelius Washington. I, I thought they both were kind of about the same as they have been. Uh, and I'll, I'll certainly let you disagree there if you'd like. But, you know, it, you can look across the board at all these positions. I mean, you want to see younger players get in there. We want to see even more Leonard Floyd. We want to see Nick Kwiatkowski get rotated in at linebacker. We want to see Deion Bushmore at safety. He finally got, I think, seven snaps on defense last week, which is better than nothing, but still not where you want to see your fourth-round pick. And, you know, they say he's quote-unquote not ready or, or whatever, but at, at week 11 or 12, this is, I think, 11, it, when, is, when is, if not now, when? I mean, you might as well get these guys out there 
rotate out Harold Jones Corte, rotate out Adrian Amos. Certainly, God forbid, Chris Przinsky goes back in there at any point this season. But I, I don't know why any veteran off the bench should be playing in any situation. But like we said, it, it's hard to expect them to do anything different than that. Yeah, it really is, Lauren, because you look at this team and you look at a guy sitting on the practice squad in comparison to what it is that you've gotten from the slot receiver position besides injury reports, you've got a couple big plays that I can remember, and that's it. With the constant injury and injury-prone Eddie Royal, you also have players that are being forced into the slot position that just aren't slot receivers. So it's really diabolical in a sense that you're hamstringing your offensive coordinator to the extent that you are, unless the offensive coordinator can't see the forest besides the trees in the reality of Daniel Braverman, not a draft pick, a show out and showcase football player down in training camp, all through training camp, then going up against New England. You could just see the the quickness and the ability to separate from that position. It just... It's baffling to me. I know I harp on it a lot, but the reality of it is what does a 2-7 and seven football team have to lose by getting this slot player in against the New York Giants who, by the way, Lauren, love the slot receiver and actually use the slot receiver in dramatic stance because they are in the 2000s of offense and the fullback, <laughs> and the fullback position. One Ed Lasique, uh, I just, I, I don't know, Lauren, just looking at that position alone. So to expect the unexpected is the story of the 2016 Chicago Bears. I hate to be negative, but the reality is it took them several weeks to recognize that Jordan Howard is as good as he is. And if you remember, he had back-to-back hundred and something yard games i think a 180 something yard game was in there or 170 something yard game if i correct but a hundred plus yard game and then a very hundred yard game and then all of a sudden it was he was out of the mix and kadeem carey was playing against the green bay packers and the focus wasn't even the guy who got you there and then minnesota happened and then last week happened where he gets pulled because he fumbled but the running game was only 15 carries in the whole game. and it. But mind you, Lauren, another point, because I know we talked about this on, on uh, Bears Barroom podcast, after the Hail Mary, it was actually 17 to 10 at the half. So they were only down seven points. So the whole energy going into the halftime, especially after a big play, Lauren, the energy on the field coming out of the half was like they were down 30. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? You felt it. They completely went away from what it is that's working. And to expect this team to do right by their personnel is just baffling. I mean, look at the kick returner. What is he doing? And and you quoted uh, special teams coordinator Jay Rogers. We haven't identified Deontay Thompson as a problem. We have not identified him as a problem. That's like all the haters for Donald Trump saying he's not the president right now. Well, 
unfortunately or fortunately, whatever side you fall on, I'm sorry, he is the president right now, or the elect to be president. And, and the reality is Deontay Thompson is a huge issue. He's cost you field position so, over 12 times. He's put your quarterback in your offense, which has yet to have anything to hang their hat on and be solid at field position and play. So he becomes a hindrance to you. He doesn't do anything on offense. Again, my point in bringing Braverman up is emphasized on that aspect of Deontay Thompson, Lasique, and your friend. Look at the first play of last week's game. Anybody out there that has game pass, focus in on number 82. This is a guy getting paid NFL salary, 82, first play of the football game. That's where you set the precedence of how you're going to you know, set the tone for the whole game. I'm just going to leave it at that. And when you watch what you see, then tweet at me and let me know what you saw. Because honestly, I can't make up what I saw on that play. Well, and uh, for those who don't know, Logan Paulson's agent will search Logan Paulson's name on Twitter and respond to people who tweet about Logan Paulson. And so if you say anything not complimentary about Logan Paulson, he will tweet you like he did me and tell you that his client is having a great season and he would love to go play-by-play with you through the All-22 footage. And if that happens again, I'm going to take him up on it because <laughs> Logan Paulson has not played well. Uh, the the Pooba, one of our one of our weekly listeners commented in that about the running game that the Bears are averaging, and I double checked the stat on, on first down when the Bears hand the ball off, they're averaging five point four yards per carry. I mean, and that's halfway to ten, folks. It's like how, and as he said, why is this team not running the ball 60-plus percent of the time, especially when Brian Hoyer was out there? But even now, when Jay's struggling, instead it's benching your running back, and it's you know no more Jordan Howard after that fumble. And in the third quarter, they run the ball, I think, twice, and the scoreboard goes completely awry when you were only down seven. I mean, it's, it's the same story. It's like we haven't seen any sense of learning or development from the offensive coaching staff. I mean, you even look at the wide receiver play in this game and the tight ends. It's like... Cameron Meredith, well, no, Cameron Meredith, Eddie Royal, and Alshon Jeffrey played all but two of the wide receiver snaps. Deontay Thompson got one, and Josh Bellamy got one. I mean, they're not, they don't rotate guys in. Same thing at tight end. I mean, uh, Zach Miller played 49, and, and Logan Paulson only played 15, and then Ben Ben Broniker plays one. So, I mean, if, if they feel like, well, Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson and Ben Broniker just aren't good enough to earn more snaps, then get other young players in there that are good enough to earn more snaps. Or... Stop. You, you know, you have to recognize the talent on your team, the talent that's available. I mean, even Jeremy Langford played 19 snaps in this game, and what did he do? He caught four balls for 10 yards. How many what? screens did he drop? Two screen passes dropped. I mean, it's ridiculous why this guy, why he gets 19 carries and Kadeem Carey gets, sorry, 19 snaps. He only got two carries, but 14 r- routes run. And Kadeem Carey gets eight total snaps because Jeremy Langford. He, well, he, he was the starter, so he's he's now number two on the depth chart, even though he hasn't done jack all season. I mean, where's uh, the where's the learning from the offensive coaching staff? It's like it's week one all over again. It makes you wonder and worry because the GM seems to have done a good job here. We can both agree on that. Yes. But the concern is, you know, you can buy the groceries for somebody. You know, you're dating this chick, and she can't cook. 
you could buy every gourmet spice and grocery, but if you can't put it together, it's still going to taste like crap. So that's unfortunate what I see from this coaching staff. The Puba is right. The reality is the number doesn't lie to the tape. The tape says Jordan Howard is getting you halfway to a first down. So if I'm playing with second and four, every drive on every – I'm working with fire. Now I'm cooking with fire because now I can open up my playbook to the extent where, all right, on second and four, I could take a chance. I could take a shot here. I could run a reverse here. We haven't seen any of that. Our trickery is with our fullback. (laughs) That's the reality of what Dal Loggins and John Fox bring to the table, Lauren. I just don't understand anything I see from this football team. The zone plays to the split inside when the offensive tackle has been just concussed. Now you're asking a guy who hasn't even warmed up yet. He's going to come in there and make the play. It's just it's no plan. It's throwing things against the wall, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, as, as Shane just said, it's it's Paul Lasique's world. We're all just living in it. <laughs> the reality of Lasique. I don't even know what the use is. And as I'm talking about a reverse play, the Carolina Panthers run a jet sweep reverse, score a touchdown off of it. That's the kind of stuff that you have to mix into your offense if you're going to be in pistol. You can't just go play action or run the same zone play or one counter play off the pistol. He's got to be more influence to the defense so that when they're scouting you, you're not so predictable. And the reality is Dow Loggins, if he's being controlled by John Fox, then that's that's a problem. If he's as uh, predictable and uncreative as we've seen, then that's a problem. You get into the red zone, it's time to man up. You're a two and seven, six football team last week, and you're running. You're throwing the ball three times. One is a trick play. You're averaging five point yards a carry at that time in that game. You're averaging six yards a carry, and you go away from it after the running back just ran for nine yards, Lauren, to get you down to the seven. To it, me, it just reeks of trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Well, and now we do have the smartest guy in the room on the line here. I, I'm not sure who it is, but caller, what's your name and where you're calling from? And are you the smartest guy in the room? Uh, well, I don't know about that. It's <laughs> Joe from Scranton. Oh boy. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe. I'm actually calling from State College, PA. I'm I'm on the road for work. We are. Penn State. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so it's... Oh, boy. You're you're yeah. the jinx. You're the jinx. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, I don't think John Fox is coaching at all, to be honest. Um, I think he's letting Dowell do whatever the hell he wants. Um, and I, I, I honestly believe that's how he was in Denver, and that's how he was in Carolina. Uh, he just has had the luck of the draw when it comes to having an offensive coordinator 
um, minus, I mean, the, the Jimmy Clausen year years that he had in Carolina. And he's had, he had the benefit of having Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he didn't win the Super Bowl with Denver, he, he had, he had Peyton Manning on the field. Yeah. Mike McCoy is an offensive coordinator. And to follow that up, you had Adam Gase who got pretty creative when Tim Tebow was the quarterback. Uh, I just, I, I just honestly think that John Fox is, he's just there. And, and that's, that's really about it. He, he may have a say. He, I mean, he obviously has a say when it comes to, um, you know, drafting players, but overall, uh, I, I, I think he's just letting Dowell do what he wants when it comes to the offense. Well, let me push back on that with the quarterback situation in particular, because that's the one area that feels the most John Fox influence. I mean, we saw when Jay was hurt that that Dowell Loggins came out and had that quote that said, you know, Jay is the toughest quarterback I've ever coached and said all these nice things about him. But then you had, you know, eventually when it came out through Ian Rappaport that Jay had been, and, and as Phil had talked weeks before, I should say, but Ian Rappaport confirmed for everyone else that Jay had been healthy and had could have been able to go earlier. It, it seems like if Dowell Loggins had full control, he would have had Jay Cutler out there earlier. I mean, we don't know that for sure. I mean, Dowell could have just been right. talking well, to Jay, but... I, mean, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think that when it when it comes to personnel decisions, um, John Fox obviously will have more power. But when it comes to like play calling or um, situational situational uh, football, you know, I just I don't think John Fox is really into it when when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Now, defense being what he's used to, yeah, he might have some some say with Fangio. But honestly, I just think he lets his coordinators do what they want to do they need to do when you know uh to me uh, an actual head coach would question the put some of the play calls say like dude why did you just run an empty set why why did you just try and run a play action off of an empty set you know why <laughs> why are you trying to run you know uh, i mean there are just there are calls that really just set the team up for failure. And if you're getting the 5.4 yards or, you know, for 4.5, or let's say just if you're averaging five yards a carry off of first down, why would you not as a head coach go to your offensive coordinator and say, run the damn ball, quit it with the, quit it with the, with the cute plays and, and, and just, just run the ball. We're, we are successful running the ball. Just keep running the ball. Run the well, ball, choose some, clock, choose some time off the clock, and, and let the defense get a breather. Well, there's two points to this because, you, you know, you're saying something I believe is very correct. Uh, the boys at the bar room talked about and questioned whether or not John Fox really cares Now, that could be a part of this because my next point of that is the best head coaches have a maniacal energy about themselves with which Mm -hmm. they have to be – it's their lifeline. Their job is on the line each and every season and every game. So the energy of wanting to win from the head coach seems to be off 
you already saw it in question when you're not playing your best player in the quarterback in games, in critical early games. Jay right. comes back, you see them win, you saw a focus on the running game, then you then Jay action game, boo. But they've established the run, they're, they're off of it. This game was a hodgepodge of predictability and completely going away from what was working in the running game. So, and then the turnovers didn't help. And then it became a minefield out there where you're just, you've given up. The team quit. The offense did. That's for certain on my end of watching it. It's just one guy breaking down the whole thing crumbles. That shouldn't be how it is. And then to completely lie about the injury to Jordan Howard and then not just be up front and say, you know, I benched him because he's got to hang on to the ball. If that's your coaching philosophy, then stand out in front of everyone and say it. And and there will be more respect from people because that's what it should have been. But to ultimately pull him out of the game, the, it was a seven-point game at the half. As bad as it felt, you had the opportunity to turn around the playbook Get a diff, get throw out your game plan because it was awful, and start pounding the football against Tampa and make it a game. But you totally fell right into the trap and started throwing around with guys who could not get open. If you watch that tape, none of those guys are separating. There's nowhere to throw. And Teddy Larson collected a check he should have never gotten because he was awful. He was awful, Joe. Oh yeah, he was. He was. It was. It, I mean, it, it was terrible. I mean, all all I saw was total regression from from week eight. I mean, week eight, I thought, all right, this is this is great. You know, we're running the ball good. Play act. You know, we're, we're playing football that set Jay up to win and set the team up to win. And week ten comes around. And it was like Lawrence said, it was like watching week one all over again. Mm-hmm. Guys looked lost. They weren't the, you said there no separation. Uh, the line was, te- I mean, the line was just, I felt it, it wasn't all that great. Um, and we abandoned, we abandoned the run game once again. And with, with Cutler, yeah, you know what? He made bad throws. Cutler had a bad game. But at the same time, when are they going to realize that Jay feeds off of a successful running game? I mean, most quarterbacks do, but Jay, Jay's our quarterback. So he feeds. He's a guy that needs a successful running game. He feeds off of the play action. And once again, it just we should be running the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Easy. Not going out there, slinging the rock, throwing screens, running all these friggin' fancy plays. Just get back to basic football. And I, I don't think Dow will understand. I don't know if Dow will understand that. It's it's really frustrating. Really, really frustrating. Well, and, and you the even- fact that it just seems Fox just doesn't care. I honestly believe he doesn't care. Well, and you look back at the first quarter of that Buccaneers game and. Your run-pass ratio, I mean, it's just – the first drive, they run it three times and pass it four times. Okay, that's not that's not horrible. And then you know, they end up driving to the Buccaneers 38 and punting, which is another weird decision, the fourth and seven on the Buccaneers – in Buccaneers territory right there, punting. 
but whatever, it's not not the end of the world. Then the next drive, they come out, they start at their own 40 after after a poor punt after their defense had done a good job. First play is a run to Jordan Howard for 15 yards, then it's a sack, then it's another pass, then it's the first interception. I mean, it's, so there you have four runs in the first half of the quarter and uh, seven passes, and then the first play out is a play action after you go, you know, which I understand the play action on the first down and the first play of the drive because you're so predictable because you always run on that first play of the drive. That's that's their thing. I get that, but it just doesn't make sense to me that you come out of this game to start the game, the first game after the bye week, it's throwing. You're coming out throwing, putting it all on Jay Cutler when you've got a running back who had just broken a, a run for 15 yards, and you better come back and, and just keep passing. <laughs> it's yeah. disappointing. Yeah, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's a recipe... It's a recipe for losing, and if they want to keep losing, then you know what? By all means, just just keep just keep chucking the ball, and and, and not running. It's you know keep getting four three and outs, punting the ball, and basically gassing our defense by the by the end of the first half. You know, it's, uh, we 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 talked on our on our Bears Barroom podcast about. The possibility that John Fox and Dowell Loggins remain, and the entire coaching staff remains after this offseason. Through you know they survive Black Monday, and this is the same coaching staff and GM combo that's going into next season. As a fan, I mean, what what do you do if we get through Black Monday and Ryan Pace has his post-year press conference said, you know what, there were a lot of injuries. And, you know, we still won four or five games, even though we didn't have our quarterback and we didn't have a lot of the guys on defense. So we, we like we like the steps we took this year and we're going to come back next year and try and try and do it again. I mean, what what do you do in in Pennsylvania? What's your what's your reaction? <laughs> so I've actually been thinking about this now for about the past four weeks. Um you know, I could see both. I, I could actually, it's, it's really tough, but I, I could see, I could see both, both sides. I mean, I, I would like to, I, I would like to see Fox gone. Uh, just for the simple fact that I don't see any sort of energy. Um, I, I don't see any sort of enthusiasm. Uh, and, and I just, I, I don't see I don't see any type of control, command and control, what you would expect from a head coach. And I, what, what Phil was saying about coming out and saying Jordan Howard had an injury when obviously he didn't have one, that's not leadership. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not, a, leader tell, a leader is honest and tells the truth. That's, that, that's BS. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you're fa- if you're pace, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in a way, because the last thing you want to do is become the Cleveland Browns and have a revolving door at the head coach and coordinator position year in and year out or every other two years. But here's and my you question want to, try to you, Joe. Joe you know, here's my point, yeah. and I said this in the podcast, so I'm going to say it to you now. The clarity of control clearly is not there. So mm-hmm. you already know what you're getting. Are you okay with that? 
you the big storyline and plan. We're gonna draft the first round quarterback and and and, and Kaya and this one and and Kaiser and Which, I, I'm, you know I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not overly impressed with Kaya. To but be think honest. about I mean, this. Sixty, Are you sixty percent pass percentage completion percentage in college? isn't all that great to me. That usually equates to, what, 40 50% in the NFL? Yeah, but even beyond that, you're going to ask John Fox to what you just said, to your point, no leadership. The curtain needs to come down with your head coach mm-hmm. in Chicago, it seems. Mike Ditka said it straight and said what was going to happen, and he did it. You know, you yep. always go back to the 85 Bears. It's getting tiresome. We haven't had a personality or a head coach that is just going to tell you like it is and expect it, and the players respect that. Everybody stands up and applauds the video game playing injury uh, at guard Kyle Long for his openness and honesty about the football team. Don't you think that that kind of attitude adjustment needs to transpire in Chicago. The, the, the McCaskies and everything hidden behind the closed doors and the worst media department in the NFL with their uh, lunch with Larry. Lunch with Larry. Their tweets <laughs> and the inability to now you have the whole fucking roster there. Yeah. To sit down and talk to, Every player, and there's nothing for fans. There's nothing. There's scraps. There's a, a, right. a, a fat former defensive tackle giving you com- comedic little clips every now and then in big guys and small cars. That's, a, that's our analysis of the Chicago Bears. So if you're right. going to be a joke, that's what you are. If you're going to do mm-hmm. that, that's what you are. Get some... You know, people are all upset and up in arms with Rex Ryan. At least the guy tells it like it is and tells you what yeah. he's going to do. Now, I was hoping we got guy. Rex Ryan as head coach. Yeah, so was I because I, I, I recognize the attacking philosophy and the attitude adjustment that needs because let's be honest, maybe these guys are a bunch of you-know-whats playing out there because they certainly had the opportunity to show you what kind of football team they were against Tampa Bay. They showed you exactly who they were, a bunch of babies, all of them. And now we're going to play nice and, oh, we're going to do this. Jay's our quarterback, and and this is okay, and Jordan's fine. What is this? Like personnel, everything. Everything's wrong at Chicago. My my final answer for for the uh, should Fox stay if if they do decide to go in the direction of drafting a quarterback in the first round, which honestly, I don't think they should. I don't think we have to. Um, if but if they if they want to invest a high round draft pick in a quarterback, then Fox needs to go because Fox is not the guy that you want as a head coach to develop a young quarterback. Right. Is Dowell Loggins um, the answer, Lauren? Dowell Loggins is no. Dowell Loggins, you know what? He might be this this mastermind, this you know, self-proclaimed mastermind when it comes to, to to the offensive playbook. But everything that I've seen so far this year, uh, he he's he's not he's he's not the answer. 
um, over overall, I, I, I want I, I would like to see I, I'd like to see John Fox gone. But after what you know, did you watch? Space, you, you know, did you watch Dal Loggins' uh, interview today in front of the media? No, Joe? no, I, I I didn't. I I have to go back and look at that. Lauren, did you get an opportunity to hear what he had to say? I did not actually. Um, I'm, I'm really curious though. When you watch it, let me know what you think. Because here's a guy totally turning a story, a blowout, an embarrassing loss into a pos- or trying to make it a- into somewhat of a positive. And I wanted to vomit on the floor of my house. And it's that disgusting attitude that it's okay that you're two and seven. It's okay that you're two and seven. And that doesn't work for this fan base. And if it does, we're dealing with the wrong staff. Dal Loggins isn't the guy. There's no rhythm and process of his play calling. There's nothing that goes and coincides with the next play. You run a counter play one time, and then you don't go into that formation ever again and now throughout the whole game. So now you've just predicted that to the next team, when they're in this thing, 80% of the time it's counter. And maybe there's going to be an action, so we got to be aware of it. But you've just set yourself up. And that is hard on an offense, an offensive line, and a quarterback to overcome that kind of stupidity. You really need to take a look at their personnel alone is stupidity with Paulson and, and all we talked about. But now you add into the fact that you're so predictable and you're so simple. Who who else is using a fullback in the NFL right now? There's a few teams. Don't 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 hate on the fullback too much. Come on now. The Oakland Seven Raiders. Times? <laughs> no, I mean so I'm I not trying thinking, to defend. Has he caught a pass? I was I was thinking I was thinking that, you know, um, instead of having uh, Paul Lasique as the fullback, why not just throw Broniker in there at times? At least he can give you a chance to receive out of the backfield as well as block. And you free up, you, you, you actually free up another uh, another roster slot to, to bring another, to, to keep another offensive lineman, defensive lineman, or wide receiver on instead of wasting it on a fullback. I agree with but, Get Broniker you know, the game. Get rid of Paulson. Deontay Thompson yeah. is worthless to this team at this point. How many years in the league is he? Three, four years? What does he have? Yeah. Eight catches of his career? I mean, yeah. it's just... I mean, having Broniker, having Broniker on there and play him as fullback, I mean, you could line him up at tight end and flex out Miller. You know, I mean, it gives you a lot more options, and I think Broniker is a better blocker than Paulson because Paulson can't block his own friggin' shadow. He's having a great season. Yeah. Just ask his yeah. agent. Trust me. He's yeah. having a great yeah, okay, season. Okay. <laughs> That's one thing I'd like to see, Lauren, by the numbers. One thing I was I was thinking about today and watching the tape again, they never split Zach Biller out wide and use him to pull that linebacker or that safety out of coverage and give you what you need. They, they don't – I just that's what I was. That's what I was getting at when I yeah. said Flex and Miller out. It yeah. would give a different look, and and it would give you an easy recognized coverage 
And it also would help you. They did it with Olsen. They did it with him last year with Adam Gase. They split Zach Miller out wide. So this offensive coordinator, the head coach, they're holding back the team. You know how I feel about Daniel Braverman. I mean, it's way... Way too Such late. Such a waste on practice squad. He needs to get up to the to the starting roster. He, he at least at a minimum returning returning kicks. I at agree. a minimum returning kicks. And and get and Daniel Braverman. You know what? They're they're going to waste. I hope to God they bring him up. I don't want to see him with because I think he could be such a weapon. He's a he is a true slot receiver. I agree He's with a true you. slot receiver to make the plays, and he. He's got he, he's he's got the hands and he can take the hits. And they haven't well, given him an opportunity, uh, it, Joe. Well, that's Joe, what, that's what really. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I know the I know the frustration, Joe, and I, I think we'll let you go here so we can get some more callers on the line. But thanks again for calling in. It was great talking to you as always. Yeah, great talking to you guys too. Great talking to you, Joe. Take you care. always get me fired up. <laughs> 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 That's good. <laughs> Later, guys. All right, Joe. Lauren, when you look at this team, the Bears, and now they're going to go up to the Meadowlands on the East Coast, play the New York Giants, you you like some of the matchups. I know you were writing a lot of good stuff for Bears Wire. Talk, take us into this game. What do you think the Bears have to do versus the Giants in order to come out of this thing with a win? Well, you know, it, the sad thing is that the Giants, as much as their record might say otherwise, they really don't look like a very good football team. I mean, they're six and three, but they're they're not a very good six and three. And I guess you can kind of say that about a lot of teams with winning records in the league right now. I mean, there's not a lot of great teams anymore. But make the NFL great again, Donald Trump, 2020. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Donald Trump shouldn't take over as NFL commissioner. I think that's that's where this is all headed. But anyway, the Giants, they're off. I mean, like their offensive line's not great. You know, so their running game is, is pretty terrible on top of that. And Eli Manning, he's not – I mean, he's good, but he's not great this year, kind of as always with Eli. And defensively, you know, they don't really have linebackers. They've got some good defensive linemen and some good secondary players. But at the same time, I mean, beyond Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins, I mean, you can you can beat Dominic rogers Cromarty, You can beat Andrew Adams, another safety. Certainly when, when Eli Apple was getting more playing time, that was a, that was a fun story. But he's – and, he, and he's getting more involved now that I think now that I'm double-checking that. So he's he's definitely someone you can take advantage of if you had an Alshon Jeffrey out there. But surprise, surprise, he uh, doesn't quite take the requisite caution when he's taking supplements. And that just is a stupid decision by him. But specific matchups, I mean, obviously this offensive line I think is going to have some issues with JPP and Olu, Olu, Oliver Vernon. I always want to pronounce it French like Olivier, but it's Oliver Vernon and then uh, Snacks Harrison in the middle. I mean – their defensive line is strong, and I'm not confident in Charles Leno and Mike Adams holding down the edges in the running game against them. And even Ted Larson at right guard, I think Harrison can have quite a few quite a few big plays against him. But you, you flip it to the other side, and, and it kind of goes the same for the Giants' offensive line and their running game. They, you know, they they can't get things going on the ground at all. And you could see a guy like Eddie Goldman if he plays, which it looks unlikely. He could have a huge game, especially against Weston Richburg, who's been struggling this year after playing really well last year. It's been kind of a big surprise to see him take a step back. And uh, they they don't have their left guard Justin Pugh anymore because he's he's on injured reserve, I believe. So, and his backup got hurt last week, so that they have a mess 
on the offensive line. So I think you'll see both teams' front sevens try a lot to shut down the running game. But the big difference here is that the Bears have Jordan Howard and the Giants have Rashad Jennings and Paul Perkins, who aren't bad running backs by any means, but they're not quite on the same level of Jordan Howard, who doesn't really necessarily need an offensive line all the time to still get five yards of carry. Yeah, again, it seems to be the recipe here is Jordan Howard and the Bears offense running the football against that New York Giants front. And, yeah, I agree with you. The Giants have – that's where their talent is. I think their corner, they paid a lot of dough for um, Janoris Jenkins. He's a football player. So that guy is a ball hawk. Uh, their safety from Alabama, someone I really love coming out of the draft. He is someone you're going to have to keep an eye on 21 because he's been playing what they said he couldn't do and be a ball hawk, make plays on the football. So the Giants are weak on the offensive line, and that's where the Bears' strength is. The Bears are weak on their offensive line, and that's where the strength is. I think the Bears edge the Giants out at the running back position. I think Jordan Howard just gives you a lot of instinct and toughness and physicality. And, and Jennings and Perkins is, you know, an average mix there, but... The reality is this team has to make plays in order for it to win because they're just not scoring points and they're not being consistent and patient in the run game, Lauren. And that's the only way I could see them being victorious against the New York Giants. Yeah, we have to see a level of effort and energy that was not present in Tampa Bay, and it's really hard to imagine that's present in New York. I mean, there there are reasons to feel like if this was a properly coached Bears team, if you just put the talent on the Chicago Bears up against the talent of the New York Giants, you you might have a more talented Chicago Bears team than a New York Giants team, but certainly a lot goes into the way that they are used. And, and speaking of feeling used, we have Shane Marsaw joining on the call. There he is. Hey, Lauren, you sound a lot like Aldo. I knew you were going to say that. I was thinking that earlier today. I'm like, if Shane calls it tonight, he's going to tell me that I sound like Aldo Gandia. And I was ready. <laughs> I was sitting here listening to Phil's little breakdown of the game, and I think one thing we got to point out is I think Tracy Porter's in for an awful long day because if you look back, history shows that speed kills that guy. Speed mm-hmm. kills Porter, and the New York Giants have a uh, abundance of it. I think it's going to be an awful long day if we can't get off. If we can't get after Eli, I think Tracy Porter's in a lot of trouble. And you see a lot of three-step game with Eli, yep. Shane. So the ball's going to be getting out quick. Uh, partner in crime, Jose Cotto, and I were talking earlier today. He even mentioned the reality of that off coverage that the Bears play with Fangio could come back to really bite them because, as Shane's saying, that speed kills and you hit a guy on a freaking three-yard slant, the likes of um, – What's his name, Laura? Tracy Porter. <laughs> oh, my Odell gosh. Beckham. Odell oh, Beckham. Oh, the receivers. Or Sterling Shepard. I don't know why Shepard. I lost his name. And as well as Sterling Shepard, both of those guys. And if you have a healthy Victor Cruz, if he's able to go, that's a explosive two guys in the slot and an outside receiver who can line up anywhere and give you explosive plays. That 
is really why they're six and three, in my opinion, because of those guys, Shane. And I think you're a hundred percent right on it. Right, and it, it just leads to what we've been talking about all season, guys. I mean, Jordan Howard, if he's a hundred percent ready to go, he he needs to be dragging his tongue across the field after the game is over. I mean, he needs to. They need to. To me, he needs to get thirty to thirty-five touches in this game for the Bears to have a chance because just what you alluded to right there, Phil, to keep that explosive, those explosive wide receivers at bay. What, what's the best way to do that other than bringing down Eli is for the Bears to control the, the uh, ball on offense mm-hmm. by riding Jordan Howard all day. So instead, we'll see Jay Cutler attempt 50 yeah, passes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Howard Jay will throw the ball. Yeah. They'll throw the ball 63 times, and uh, Jeremy Langford will have 20, you know, 20 touches, and Jordan Howard will have three. Man, I was I was just looking back too about Jordan Howard's game last week and the, and the benching. In the second half, he played five snaps. Yeah. I mean that's I mean, wow. that is I mean not even just five carries. He played. He was on the field for five snaps. I mean that's just. But it just, I mean, what what do you, what do you expect from this coaching staff at this point? I mean, <laughs> it's almost it's like let's let's pick the most let's pick the least in 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 innovative least smart <laughs> football decision, and and that's probably I mean, if, what would be the stupidest thing they could do? That's probably what we'll see happen. I mean, I just I can't Maybe. imagine more snaps for Logan Paulson. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, right. We'll put him in the slot. We'll put Paulson <laughs> in the slot. <laughs> and uh, let Jay throw the ball 63 times. Let's get into the gun four wide with Paul Lasique in the bank. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Rugby himself. Oh, yeah. Like, Wildcat to Paul Lasique at this point. I mean, put him under center. He's not going to throw interceptions. But it's, this isn't rocket science, guys. We all know this. It's, it's, it's not that hard to figure out. We know the issues that the Bears have, and you have this, this workhorse back there. And why they don't want to really just run, let the kid go, let him run. He's a 20, 21 year old kid. Just let it, let him eat. And the thing about him is that special Shane is not just, I mean, he's not the fastest back, but he is very, very fluid and instinctive. I mean, some of the runs that he created were based on him recognizing if he gets his body close to the guard, He's able to carry himself through a hole. And then he's so physical at the point of attack that I could see linebackers getting tumbled over and defensive backs ducking their heads. That's why I thought it was so important that, you know, like a title weight fight, you keep jabbing with this guy. That's when you get the big plays and you can do things, open up your offense a little bit. But to see this play out the way it has – it's not a personnel issue, guys. It really is a coaching issue. And, you know, with Howard, you look at the New York Giants secondary, and, uh, you know, a lot of times they talk about getting running backs in one-on-one situations with defensive backs. And the New York Giants secondary, as good as they have been, they don't have a lot of size. I mean, is there anybody outside of Landon Collins that you think could bring no. down Jordan Howard one-on-one in the open field? Because I don't think Jenkins or Rodgers Cromartie or Eli Apple or Andrew Adams could do it. He'll break Eli Apple in half, and I'm not even <laughs> trying to make a joke. He will. I, I mean, he, I agree. I, yeah, I think Landon Collins a... is literally the only guy back there that's gonna, you know, drop his head and and just come up 
relentless and, and try to bring them down. But, uh, you know, you talk about these big backs with them being 230 pounds. You usually see these guys, they're much better in the fourth quarter because they're wearing down the defense. But that's not what we've seen from Jordan. He's been effective from, from get-go. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the thing. You know, he, he's, he's pummeling these guys in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, like we saw versus Minnesota. And then uh, our genius offensive coordinator just decides, well, you know, he did fumble the ball, so get over here on the, on the stationary bike and, uh, you know, pedal your, your life away. Yeah, that's the disappointing thing is that it's really up. You're you're giving the keys over to a teenager, it seems, and you really got to trust them to do the right thing. And, and these are NFL supposed coaches. I mean, Shane, I know I asked Joe and Lauren, did you get to see Dal Loggins' presser and what he had to say? I didn't. No, I, I heard uh, you talking about it. No, I didn't. Uh, I mean, he's talking like they did something great in the first half. And that they had an opportunity that they slid up away. And it's really, really interesting to watch you, how you excuse you, it. That tells you who they are as coaches. Yeah, you, you got to wonder if this doesn't – I mean, because the Bears were famous for this back when even Lovey was here. When they got up there and they talked to the fans and they talked to the media, they were talking down to all of them like you, none of us and none of the media know anything about football like we're just there staring at these guys trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. like we don't that sit is down and re- yeah exactly it, it's just <laughs> you hear you know john fox just the way that he talks and i mean you watch that debacle like we all rehashed on our podcast last night but then who, who does he point out you know, as the silver lining, he points out Paul Asike. He's like, "What? What are you? What are you talking about? It's just, it's just baffling, and it, it's such a sad state of affairs, guys. And it's, in it, the Bears, rot. The Bears don't have a bad roster. Yes, they're young, but there, there is, a, I, I consider consider them a considerable amount of talent that Ryan Pace has brought in that just isn't being coached effectively and isn't being brought into the game, you know, in, in the right spots and used in the right way. So it's just a, it's a total cluster of madness and it's really sad to see for bears fans. Well, and we're, we're under five minutes here left on the podcast. So Shane, we might on the podcast. Well, still in that mode, we're under five minutes left in the show here, Shane. So we'll, uh, we'll let you go and, and wrap it up. Yep. Here. But thanks again for calling in. Thanks, Shane. Yep, thanks, As always, brother. Yep. Now, to to avoid uh, running down to the final twenty seconds, <laughs> like we have the last two shows in a row, I, I would I would like to really wrap it up here. But Phil, if you have one final point about Fox or the coaching staff or anything about this Giants game, you're on the clock. Well, I just think this is the uh, scale for John Fox. I want to see how this team performs. I want to see the reality of a game plan working towards your strength versus a Giants team that has explosive talent that you got to be in, involved in. This game could go two ways. The Bears could absolutely come out and win, or they could lose or lose and get blown out. There's no scenario that says the Chicago Bears can blow out the Giants. So that means it's up to your coaching staff 
to do exactly what Shane was just talking about and what we've been harping on. Put your player personnel in the right positions to be successful. And that's what we got to hope. And if we don't see that, you're going to hear from me. You're going to hear from Lauren. You're going to hear it from the fans because I think Shane's right. He made a great point and one I was trying to emphasize about Rex Ryan. At least he tells you straight up and doesn't make you look dumb or think you're talking down to people that don't know. No, we know because they care. The fans care. There's a lot of people that know football out there that care and know when you're full of shit. And John Fox and company are talking down to the fans. When we look at the Chicago Bears playing the New York Giants, hopefully we see the emphasis on the running game and being physical because that's the only way they're going to win this football game. And we said last week that the Buccaneers game was going to be the crossroads game of the season where how would they respond after Minnesota? And they they responded and, and kind of showed <laughs> how the rest of the season was going to go. So I'm, I'm not optimistic for the Giants game. I don't think a lot of Bears fans are, but – Hey, well, we're we're dedicated. We'll all still be watching it, and hopefully, we'll see some more Leonard Floyd. Hopefully, we'll see. I'm just going to start reading what Razram said at Shane because I, 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 as I was saying, the Shane message the chat. You want to see Floyd second their game, another one in prime time. You want to see Bullard have his breakout game, McPhee destroy people, Willie Young. It's going to come down to those pass rushers, and if Loggins decides to use his workhorse back, you want to see yep. all these young guys. You want to see growth from these younger players, and and. How about with, bring Daniel Braverman up? Okay, every week, Let's every bring week him until up. that. I mean, what's what's the draft? You put you use a draft pick on this guy. Let's see it. You maybe you know bring him up and at least have him on the active roster. Even if he doesn't get in on offense, get him in on special teams. Get him involved. But that's gonna have to do it for us here at Bears Hour Live. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can look for the podcast version on iTunes and on our Twitter account. And hopefully you'll join us 30 minutes after Bears Giants as we break down the game, win or loss. We'll be here taking your call. So thanks again for listening.